are you in a box? Dr. Sherwood said uh, a couple of weeks ago that we all need sometimes to think outside of the box. And I got to, I got to thinking about this and praying about this. And um, I find that we humans like our boxes. There are many boxes. We have boxes, uh, categories, uh, walls, however you want to put it. It's the same idea. We have a work box. We have a play box. Uh, we have a family box. We have friends box. We have a faith box. We have a serving box. And we, we keep them all separate or we try to, we want to. Um, but one of the toughest is our God box. We really like to control this box. But God says, no, I can't fit in that little bitty box. I, I think it's amazing that Jesus always said to his disciples, first thing, follow me. God leads, not me. He leads and I'm to follow. God, Jesus said to Peter and Andrew and James and John and Matthew, we have it throughout the New Testament, follow me. I love that because it clearly shows that I'm supposed to be following, that we're supposed to be following, and that God does not stay in the box. He will not stay in a box. He's too big for the box. We try to limit him, and that's we always get in trouble. At least I always get in trouble. Um, in Acts chapter 10 and 11, we see Simon Peter, the number one disciple at the time, and he gets his God box smashed. Uh, really, the only thing you need to know about this story is that there is a, a big Jews versus Gentiles situation. The Jews are those who are God's people, and the Gentiles are everybody else. So it comes down to a us versus them. Um, maybe just to make it connect to us better, uh, people who look like me versus people who don't look like me, who don't think like me, who don't believe like me. There's the box. We have this box and, and we try to put God in that box and God says, no. Um, we have those, the feeling of insiders. We are inside, we in the church, we are inside and there's those other people, they're out there, the outsiders. Um, we even see it sometimes as the good guys versus the bad guys. We're inside, we're okay. We check it out. People, we like to put people like us all together. And that's exactly what Peter was doing. Inside Peter's God box was Peter and his friends. And guess what? They were all just like him. They were all Jews. They were all circumcised, which was the official uh, thing. And so I'm going to start in Acts chapter 10, verse 1. And we're going to see how God exploded Peter's box. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. Italian Regiment. Uh, let me just stop here for a second. Caesarea was the headquarters for the entire Roman government for the Eastern Mediterranean. There could not have been a more bad place in the eyes of the Jews and the eyes of Peter. And here we're talking about a man. Cornelius, who was obviously a Roman, a centurion, 
And that means an, an army officer in the Roman army that also would have been high on Peter's list as people to be excluded, people to be left out, people to be shunned, because obviously he's not one of us. And so let's keep him outside. But it really is surprising when you see what happens in verse 2. Verse 2, I shall read. He, that's uh, Cornelius, and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need, and he prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, he called him by name. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, sir? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who's called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. This is crazy. Uh, we know, we know among ourselves that God would never send an angel to one of them. God would never talk to one of them. He's not like us. So I, I mean, he may be devout, and he may be a God-fearer, and he may be a prayer, and he may be generous and all that, but we know God's not crazy. God loves us, and he's not, he doesn't love them. I'm joking. You know this. Let's go on. Verse 7. When the angel spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that happened and sent them immediately to Joppa. That's amazing. Right out the bat, he was not only receiving a vision from God through an angel by name, he immediately responded to it and sent three guys to go look for Peter. Okay, let's go for the rest. The next part of the story, verse 9, about noon the following day, so this is the second day, as they, the three men, were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Uh, let me stop here for a second. We, I think we sometimes think, because we know that Peter was a fisherman, we probably think he's just a, you know, a bum or at least not a very educated guy, but no, he was a kosher Jew, and he had never in his life eaten anything unclean. Now, he was hungry, and God sent this vision, and there's food, and it's all non-kosher food. And so God tells him to kill and eat, have, a, have, have your, your Big Mac here, and Peter says, no way. This is a test. I know better. My box says we don't eat. This is crazy. God would never ask a, a Jew to eat non-kosher food. Come on. We know that that's the box. We got to stay in it. And God is clearly commanded. I can show you the verses in the Old Testament 
exactly where we're not supposed to do this. And let's, let's not, you know, God, you need to get back in your box because obviously this is a mistake. Okay, I'm going to continue with the story. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call impure anything that God has made clean. This happened three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius, the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. Again, we have the very same as earlier. This is crazy. God would never ask would never send a Jew to a Gentile city. He would never send a Jew to a, a, a Gentile house. In fact, when the disciples earlier asked Jesus about, uh, you know, ministering to the Gentiles, Jesus said, no, 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 minister to the house of Israel, because that's what we have to do. It, here you have, I mean, Peter's, Peter's trying to figure it out. And he's not figuring it out, even though the Holy Spirit is telling him. I really think it's because his box He's got his box well built. It couldn't possibly be. God would never change things like this. Okay, let's go to verse, verse 24. I'm sorry, verse 23. Um, the next day, Peter started out with the men, and some of the brothers also from Joppa went along. The following day, so this is the fourth day, the following day he arrived in Caesarea. You remember the headquarters of all the Roman government. Cornelius was expecting them, and he had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. Talking with him, Peter went inside, and he found a large gathering of people. I love this, because it's obviously Cornelius not only was obedient, not only was he faithful, but he had faith. You know, this is something important. An angel has spoken. I'm going to gather all my friends. I don't know what's going to happen, but I want to see what, you know, God's got in store. I love that. Wish I was more like that. Verse 28. Cornelius said, oh, I'm sorry. Peter said, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or to visit him. How's that for an opening statement? I bet you that'll win friends and influence people. As you know, I'm not supposed to be here. What do you want? And then he goes on to say, but as God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean, 
So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Bless Peter's heart. His box is getting blown. It's getting smashed to smithereens, right? I, Peter still doesn't get it. He's still trying to figure out what is going on. I don't understand. What do you want from me? Verse 30. Cornelius answered, four days ago, I was in my house praying at this very hour. At three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything God has commanded you to tell us. <laughs> I love this. I love this because isn't it great? I mean, Cornelius, he doesn't know what's going to happen. We've read this story. We've probably seen it a few times in the New Testament, right? I, I think Cornelius's box has been completely dismantled himself, and he's going, okay, I want to be obedient to God. I want to, and I'm invited all my friends and close relatives and everybody here. I can't wait to see. Go for it. And I, I also like that he says, well, thanks for coming. You know, I really appreciate it. And, and so I think Cornelius even knew that uh, this was going to be a big stretch for Mr. Peter. And he, he thanked him for coming. But please tell us everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak, verse 34. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel. And then he goes on and he tells the story of Jesus. It's what, I'm not going to read all of it, but it, you know, you know. And so he starts going through and explaining. And I would just go down to verse 42 because that's the kind of the key point. Jesus commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he Jesus is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, Jesus, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Pretty, pretty clear salvation message. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit, verse 44, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And so he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. I, did you hear the explosion there? Did you hear that the bomb just went off? Peter's box just got smashed even more. Wait a minute, wait a minute. No, 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 no. You don't understand. God would never send a Jew to a Gentile area. God would never, ever provide salvation to these guys. It's, it's kind of funny that if you notice that they, they call it the circumcised believers who had come with Peter, the Jews. He brought six Jewish friends with him. I guess he was worried about going into, you know, enemy territory. 
and he was completely stunned. I mean, he said one thing earlier. Yeah, I guess God does not show favoritism, but I don't know if he really believed it. Reason I say this is we get astonished, or I think we do, every day if we really understand what God wants to do. God wants to be bigger. We, we, keep, we have our little box, and we try to keep God in that box, and God's got a bigger plan than that. We, we keep it with our people and our type and our the people who look like us. And God wants to blow that away. We, we joke, but it's not a joke, that the mission field has come to the United States. I mean, if you ask a missionary to talk, a missionary is going to talk about missionary things, right? Uh, folks, they're here. And they don't look like us. And they don't pray like us. And they don't, they don't dress like us. And they don't talk like us. But they're right here. How much are, are we comfortable with them coming? Are we coming? Are we comfortable with them hearing the salvation message? Are we comfortable with God saving them and pouring out the Holy Spirit on them? The reason I bring it up is chapter 11. Because chapter 11 is the response of the church to what happened there in Caesarea. The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. They were saved. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, when he returned, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into, into the house of uncircumcised men and you ate with them. They're trying to get Peter back in his box. And, and I think, I think, the, the tendency, when we go back to our folks, we might get some criticism. Why in the world are you doing what you're doing? Why did you guys go overseas? Why didn't you just stay in Texas? Why didn't you stay in New Jersey? Why don't you just stay where you're at? Keep, don't be so fanatical. Just, just stay, stay in your place. And, and Peter's response, and, and you can read it, you know, later on your own time. It's the whole chapter 11. He says, wait a minute. This, these guys, you know, God did this. God did this. God worked it all out. God talked to Cornelius. God sent the, the had Cornelius send the men, and, and they came. I just, you know, I went along for the ride. I kind of get a sense that maybe Peter wasn't, um, you know, 100% on board, because I think his box, maybe, maybe one side had been knocked out of his box, but he still had three more sides. I think... It's pretty clear through chapter 10 that God accepts men and women from every nation. From every nation. All, verse 35 says it. I don't know if he believed it. I don't know if we believe it. But Peter said it. God accepts men and women from every nation. And we saw in the rest of the chapter that God not only accepts them, but he anoints them and blesses them and saves them. That was verse 44. But also it's pretty clear that uh, humans don't accept people not like them. Not in the natural. We're just more comfortable with people who look like us. But I think God would like to blow us out of our box and see his box. His box is limitless. It has no sides. I think it's pretty clear that, in, especially in chapter 11, that people will criticize those of us who do 
try to reach out. And isn't it funny that God has to work with both the people inside and the people outside. He wants to change both groups. And he wants his people to be from every tribe and nation, every language, every tongue. He needs and wants worshipers from the whole world. And heaven is going to be the most diverse place you can imagine. We will not be standing next to people who look like us in heaven. There will not be any box there. Are you in a small box? Do you have God in that box with you? <laughs> with, with this Jew and your family and, and, and your friends? And, and does everybody in your box look exactly like you? Possibly. Could you imagine inviting others into your box? Could you imagine going into their box? Could you imagine being faithful to God and sharing with them the love of God? May God help us with this. 